learning happens when all things come together and what can only be described as perfect chaos. And welcome to the Perfect Chaos Podcast. It's Rhonda and David, and together we make up the Perfect Chaos team. Perfect Chaos not only represents how we started this, but also who we are. I'm an assistant professor of education at a local university, and David is a program director and professor at a nearby community college. Our backgrounds are diverse and range from sociology, criminal justice, fire, emergency medical services, emergency management, and together education. And this all comes together into our perfect chaos. Does anybody else feel like educators went from being invaluable to being hated? Today, we're going to talk about that feeling that many of us have and how to push beyond it. And we'll be right back with this discussion after these messages from our sponsor. We are Rhonda and David, and this is our perfect chaos. So in your intro, seems like a rather loaded question. Invaluable to hated? Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess I just think about during COVID when all the kids got sent home and all you saw anywhere was how loved and invaluable teachers were and, you know, trying to do virtual school through the pandemic without really any advance notice. I mean, you know, like you saw a lot through there of people talking about, oh my gosh, teachers are amazing, right? And and you saw, I mean, in your profession too, like EMS, nurses, right? All those essential front workers. Frontline, essential. Frontline, they're invaluable, right? To now, here we are almost three years later from the time, at least here, that everything kind of blew up and we went home. Yeah, for for us, it was around spring break, so it was March. Right. And it's back to the teacher hate. It's back to why do teachers whine? They just work eight to three. They only work nine months a year. Um, you need to quit whining and spend more time teaching my kids. Like, we're back to that. We're back to the uh, kids can't read, and it's obviously the teacher's fault. I mean... What happened? And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we need to look at is, you know, this isn't something that's new. We, you know, teachers were loved and then they weren't. They were, you know, it's kind of going back and forth. So I think the bigger question is, you know, we're talking about this microscopic view of a larger situation. But, you know, teachers uh, will not necessarily take or get the credit when things are going well. This one they did. They had a lot, but they definitely do take the blame when things go wrong. Right. So let, let's actually get into that. So what has changed? So as you mentioned, three years ago, uh, I remember, and I still have a text message on my phone, will COVID ever hit us here in the United States? And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> you were wrong uh, I was there. wrong. Uh, you know, <laughs> it does happen in my play. You know, it's like if it does come over here, you know, because at that point in time, it was still uh, identified to a local area there in in China, and uh, I was being asked that question. I'm like, even if it does, I was I was using stuff like Ebola and some others in the past that had come over. 
sparked a lot of controversy, thought it was going to hit big, and then it's like a little pocket. I said, you know, right. chances of it hitting us in East Tennessee are not very high. So right. uh, we, we uh, have that. It's here. Right. Three years ago, teachers get ready to take on a different role as things start to change. Right. And as they, as they, as things changed, and as, like I said, as people went home, kids went home, everybody, I mean, we joked that was the beginning of this podcast. Yeah. Um, we were in the midst of that. Well, it, it was a little bit, but we were sitting out on our back porch. Our back we haven't really done a whole lot. We haven't. We have to get that cleaned back up and yeah. <laughs> go get it and see what sparks from that. But, uh, yeah, you know, things change. Yeah. And, and it was... You know, and it, we even made the same comment. You know, we came home and you were trying to teach online and I was trying to teach online and both the kids were trying to do school online. And I can remember several times looking at you and saying, um, God did not make me to be with my family 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Our house said that. Our house said that. Yeah, because everything broke. Our dryer broke. Our washing, our dishwasher broke. Our internet broke. The internet broke. Yeah. Uh, then, it, then it didn't break and they came by and shut it off yep. uh, in the middle of one of my classes because I had to do some work on it because everybody's at home. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot. And I think it was a lot for a lot of people. And... It was like during that time period, people realized that teaching is more than what they thought it might be. Right. Right. And which I felt like was good. That that was a good step. That was a good move. That was helpful. Um, but now, Summit thought it was helpful too. Yeah, definitely. Um, but now we have gotten to this point that we're back to... It's all the teacher's fault. And I think, like, we can look at it in the three years, but I think we have to look societally at how things have changed, right? So I saw um, a cartoon, like a comic strip cartoon meme kind of deal uh, not too long ago. And in one picture, you had a kid in trouble at school, and the teacher's sitting behind the desk, and the parents are there. Based on the clothes, I would guess it to be themed for, like, the 1950s. Um, it looked like what they were wearing in Pleasantville, that movie. <laughs> um, but you see the parents looking at the kid and yelling, you know, what did you do to cause this? And then in the next frame, you have the kid in trouble. The teacher sitting behind the desk and the parents have flipped and now they're yelling at the teacher. What did you do to cause this? And that's the one that said present day. And I got to, that really kind of got me to thinking um, that and a few things that got said last fall um, by politicians in our state. And it just in actuality, neither one of them are right. It's not fair for all the blame to be on a kid. It's not fair for all the blame to be on a teacher. You know, and I think somewhere along the line, societally, we've changed the way that we think about everything, right? Um, people can talk about 
the students we're seeing are entitled. That's fine. People can talk about teachers are entitled, whatever. Um, you know, parents aren't at home. And I think it's it's a combination of all of it. I also think it maybe has something to do with if you look. And um, when I wrote this podcast, I actually I got on the streaming services that we have, which are multiple. And I started to look for what all, how, how are our different professions portrayed? Okay. <coughs> and I saw things on our streaming services like Bad Teacher, right? That movie. Um, you know, there's, there's a ton of stuff out there. There's tons of jokes. There's tons of laughter. Um, but in general, most of the time... Teaching is portrayed with comedy. You know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Bueller, Bueller, anyone, anyone, right? With Ben Stein. Stuff like that. Uh, the Charlie Brown teacher that was wah, 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 wah. And then I looked at your previous profession of fire. I looked at EMS and the way they're portrayed. And it's a whole other ball game. And so I think that maybe has something to do with it, too. Even if you look at something where teachers almost were positively portrayed, like Glee, you still can't even really call that a positive portrayal. It, it made a caricature of what we do and a caricature of the stereotypes surrounding different types of teachers. So I think all of that is contributing to this lack of respect for the profession for people that have gone to school multiple years um, and and continue to go to school to be made fun of and blamed and you know the current thing in our state right now is if third graders can't read teachers will lose their jobs and colleges will lose their program approvals I think I think there's a, a lot to this and one you know they they I think can be broken down into one adage, you know, those that can't do teach. Right. And, you know, that's, that's been out there for so long. And I, I had, had a student that actually said that uh, all four of his faculty member walked into the room at the same time. And he made that comment. He's like, well, let's, let's see, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, I, I look at did, this. Did your faculty members do a cut down and stick something in his jugular? Cause I think that would have been fun. <laughs> Didn't didn't go that far, but he uh, he learned a little bit different, and uh, that individual actually ended up transporting our son when he had his eye injury. So, oh. um, you know, it, it, you know, and so he learned, and he learned really well, and he did because he was very nice that night. Yes, and uh, so it goes to this other part, and and uh, this is this adage is is gender specific, but it said, my grandfather walked 10 miles to work every day. My father walked five. I'm driving a Cadillac. My son will drive a Mercedes, my grandson in a Ferrari. My great grandson will be walking again. So do you know why? It's because tough times create strong men. Strong men create easy times. Easy time create weak, weak men and weak men create tough times. And I think, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, we're in this cycle Right. And, you know, we end up with these great teachers and they do great things and they make things easier for the next generation and come back around. But, you know, I think part of this is also the expectations. Right. Uh, you know, I 
had a service director in my area many years ago that as we started talking about things, one of my faculty members has their students do a presentation and they're, you'll have outside individuals come in and they're usually on various topics and they usually try to get down into the material a little bit more. And one of them was basically uh, received a response from the evaluator and, and he was like, well, you know, students are not coming out like they should be. They should be coming out with this, 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 and this. And I, I happened to be in there for that presentation. I, I started talking to that faculty, that um, evaluator a little bit more. And ultimately what he was wanting is for our program to release somebody like they had 20 years experience at that level, not an entry-level provider that has to be mentored and guided after that. And uh, he almost took a little bit of offense. I said, you know, I could do that. I said, but you'll be really upset with me. He's like, why is that? I said, for me to release somebody that's got 20 years experience, I, I, I could do that. I said, but they would be in my program for 20 years and not out there working for you. Right. Um, and, you know, think this is a symbiotic relationship, like you were saying, from, from the student to the teacher to the system they're in, the system the students the students are in, or the community the students are in, you know, goes goes really back to it takes a village, um, and you know, because part of that is expectations. How's that student coming into the classroom? Are they prepared? Have they done their study? Have they done their homework? Have they prepared for the next day? Have the teacher are the teachers ready? Are they prepared? And uh, you know. The, you know, coupled with the fact that, you know, right now there's not a profession out there that's not needing people. So people are being thrust into the classroom solo a lot earlier than they have. So I think there's a lot of things in there that have, have changed and created this. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, one of the things that our legislator was addressing this last year is learning loss. Right. Uh, you know, they, they had a period of time where... You know, our, our son came home with a packet of stuff and was expected to teach himself right. until, until they realized where they needed to be and engage. You know, he was doing a packet of stuff. And in fact, because... Until they could get to benchmarks. Right. And, and, then, and, and then his teacher thought he should be learning more. So he was actually given two sets of right. packets. And, and that was during COVID. And that was during COVID, yeah. So yeah, they... Well, I just want to put that out there. Yeah. That it's not that the teachers were just randomly. No, no, no. no. no, no this no. was during COVID this when was, we went home. This was the first weeks of COVID that right. nobody knew what to do. This, you know, They went to spring break and they came back to, <laughs> uh, uh, to a drastic change. You know? And so the, there's definitely going to be some learning loss, you know, because they didn't have the instruction and, and stuff right. like that. And, uh, you know, we see that throughout because they're going to each grade with that little bit of loss and, you know, so. One of the things that I think has, well, go on and say what you were going to say. Well, no, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot that has changed. The home environment. Right. The school environment, the political environment, the business climate, you know, believe it or not, you know, business climate coming into education because it's no longer education. It's the business of education. So. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting. Um. You know, I'm, we're not here, and as we talk about this, we're not, there is no one-size-fits-all for anything. 
There's not a one, you know, not even t-shirts. One size doesn't fit all, right? Even so, those, that, even those that are say one size, right? There's usually a one size fits all, and then a large size. Yeah, right. And it's not. I'm not trying to say that. Like, I'm not trying to put blame onto families and home. That's not it. But I think we need to get kind of to the root a little bit of what's going on um, and and why things are being so politicized. Uh, and I think that, you know, I found an article on Forbes. And let's see, the name of the article is Education and the Politicizing of Everything. And it's from last June. So this is not, I mean, June 2022. It talks about, you know, politicization of different things and how education used to not be um, a political venue. And how even some states and, and counties still have, you know, non nonpartisan school board elections, things like that. Right? And I like... I'm just I'm not going to read this whole thing, but just a little bit of it. The trouble with politicizing problems is that puts focus on everything except actually solving the problem, and education is loaded with problems right now. The teaching profession is in a crisis, with school districts increasingly struggling to attract and retain teachers. Student growth and learning have been disrupted in real but hard-to-quantify ways. Yet, as educators declare that the schoolhouse is on fire, They are met with responses of, you're just saying that for your own advantage, and this is just union propaganda, and how can I best spin this to further my own aims? But nobody's grabbing a fire extinguisher. It is one of the great frustrations in an overly politicized space. People don't listen when you try to identify a real problem, no matter how many ways you try to say, no, I'm not trying to work an angle. The house really is on fire. I think first, which that is a complete, um, I think that is a true synopsis of, of what's going on. The, the question is, to me, why is this such a politicized space? And I'm going to go ahead and provide mine and see what you have to say after. But education is one that touches every single person in this country. And in a moment in which we're looking for the political side, looking for votes to win the next election, you want to get something that touches everybody. Right. And everybody can say, well, these people aren't ready. It's the education they received. These people are like this. It's because of the education they received. It is this because of the education they received. And there's, no disputing that because even now, you know, things are coming up. Well, they didn't teach me how to file my taxes. We've talked about this in past that, you know, there are literacy lessons and stuff like that. But here's the thing. We, we taught you the mathematics necessary to do the math to calculate. And we, how to go find information. And we've taught you how to research to go find information. We taught you how to understand government and society to understand the taxations, you know, um, 
then they then they the second part of that is I don't know how to write a check or I don't know how to you know I didn't know now granted let me correct I did have a class in sixth grade where the teach math teacher actually set up a simulation basically that that went the second half of the school year that each of us had a we picked a job out of a brown paper bag we picked our house out of a brown paper bag and we had checkbooks and some cash and we had to pay our bills and stuff like that um but that like that was which is a great it's a great thing and you know she coupled that with well this is how you, you know this is addition subtraction and this is how you put things in a checkbook and we we learned addition and subtraction so that like that is there but like that was not part of our curriculum that was something there and you know that so that goes into some innovation that you can do but and i mean in this state high schoolers have to take a personal finance class it is required they cannot graduate without it and so i think that is my philosophy is why education is politicized it's kind of like social security talking about a different you know in in federal politics social security is considered the third rail if you touch it your political career is over um, education doesn't have that same thing. It, you know, every, everybody wants to, everybody thinks you're going to lose social security. If you're going to, if you're going to touch social security, you're going to change it. And everybody's afraid that they're going to lose that benefit and education. Everybody's afraid that kids are not going to get educated. So they're going to take on that topic. So, well, and to me, I think it's, I think all that's one reason. I think at the heart of it, once we have been educated, right? If you think back, I mean, we're both in our 40s. I don't remember how hard it was to learn numbers and to add and subtract. But I know it's easy now. And so much of what the the whole country knows as education, right? We're talking P12. I'm not going into higher ed. You know. P-12 education, we look back and we re- we don't remember, a lot of us, the hard part of it, but we know it's easy now. Right. It's easy to add six plus four is 10, right? That's not, that's not a hard thing. And I think we've all experienced education, but we haven't all know, known or experienced or seen what goes into that. And I think especially when you start talking about politicians, you are typically talking about people who have multiple degrees from institutions of higher education, lawyers, doctors. I mean, these are people that have gone, typically have gone pretty far in education. And they know that they understand it, and maybe it was easy for them to understand but they don't know what it was, what went on before that lesson ever got to them. Well, I th- and I think this is one of those people know, like everybody has experienced medicine. We've all been treated by somebody who has been medically educated <laughs> or educated in medicine, however you want to say it, to treat us. But we don't all understand what it is they're doing, right? I live with you. I understand what an IV is. I understand how to put an IV in. That doesn't mean I can do it, right? 
but we all understand how to add and subtract. And I think somewhere we're losing the concept that, but you didn't just start understanding how to add and subtract. Somebody had to teach you that. And for them to teach you that, they had to understand how you learned and how you thought to get there. And I think that's what maybe we're missing a lot of times. Well, I think I think this is quite interesting, you know, because as we were going through and, and you and I going through the education system about the same time, you know, we were just a great part, is the fact that, you know, we were learning a certain way. We had to learn our times tables. We had to learn cursive. We had, you know, all of these right. different topic areas. And now, I, you know, I think the analogy would be, you know, whenever our kids have brought stuff to us, We've had to go through and learn the way they're doing it. Now everybody's like, oh, they're just learning it, you know, this crazy, weird way. It's because we don't understand it. And so for us to use that way, you know, we've done, both done this uh, other than the why is a two plus two. Yeah, four. why is two plus two four? Um, <laughs> you know, but the the different ways of mathematics, once we figure that, once we figure out the way that they're describing, it's easy to go, oh, yeah, that's how they do it. Right. And, and we can work backwards because we can find the answer our way and then right right and so things have changed a little bit and you know i think that's part of the the thing is once because we as parents do the same thing so if we're talking about politicians you know they're they're addressed with this their goal is to build their state up or their the the united states up and whatever way they are and they want to make sure that they have a a literate workforce that is ready to go because we've got jobs that are growing left and right, whether they're new jobs from somebody building a new product or that, uh, you know, your state's got industry moving into it, whatnot. They, they want to make sure they have the people to do the, the jobs that they have. We do the same thing as parents, right? Well, you we, we were able to get why two plus two is four. You should be able to get this. Right. And we said those, well, you just need to work longer, you know, uh, you have an hour of, no matter what, you have an hour of study every night because you don't get this. And, you know, they're they're doing it on the other level, you know, because they've got 7 million families or 20 million families right. or whatever, or uh, uh, populations. So how do we do with people being angry about everything we're doing and the ways in which people are talking about this profession uh, that... So much more than just a job to most of us. You know, most people don't go into education for the money. They don't do it for the recognition. They go because they love the kids, they love the topic, and they want to make sure that somebody goes. So right. how do we deal with that? Um, so I was at uh, the Christian Educators Conference last, I don't know, July, August, something like that. And um, Dr. Candace McQueen was there. She's now the president of Lipscomb University. She used to be the... She was at one point the commissioner of education for the state of Tennessee. Um, and one of the things she said really stuck with me. I mean, to the point that that's where this particular podcast cast came from. Um, because I love what she said so much. But one of the things she said was, don't get in a vomiting contest with a buzzard. Which, you know, I mean, I'm a country kid, so that makes perfect sense to me. You'll never out vomit a buzzard. Never. Um, and you're not going to win anything by doing it. You're the one that's going to end up weak. So I think it is hard as educators for us to sit and 
and pour into kids and pour into our lessons and what we're doing. And, you know, it's just hit after hit after hit. Um, you know, it's, it's disheartening. We know that there are tons of behavior problems right now. It is harder to be a classroom teacher than it ever has been before. Um, and we can blame that on any number of things, but it is, right. it's just harder. And I think a lot of times we're surrounded with people who are either, this is too hard, I'm just going to quit, which to me is toxic negativity, or the people that say, just remember your why and do it for the kids. That's toxic positivity, right? I think it's okay for us to sit around and say, you know what? My job sucked today. It was a rough day. I'm tired. Uh, and I think, for one thing, we've got to start giving ourselves a little bit of permission to do that. A little bit of permission to come home and not turn on the news. A little bit of permission to come home and watch a ball game or, you know, binge watch some show on some streaming service that maybe is not super wholesome and informative, but it makes you feel better. You know, I think we need, that's the first thing we need to do is start giving ourselves permission to be tired and to be tired of being told it's our fault. And then once we've taken some time, I think it's okay to start pushing back a little. And you don't push back in a way that demeans the profession. You don't push back at the kids. It's not, none of those have anything to do with it. In my mind, we push back by doing what we do, and that's educating. We've got to start educating people on not the simpleness of teaching, but on the art of teaching it for people to realize that this is not a color by number painting that we're doing. It's a totally abstract, make the colors up as you go, blend the colors and make sure everybody gets equal color. I think this, I think what you're saying is a, a really good point. It actually goes back to our uh, episode 33, which was getting, how do I get involved? And, because one of the things is what you're, what you're just mentioning there is an education point of view. So having been to a meeting just the, uh, just this week, as a matter of fact, in which one of the authors of some of the prior legislation has made mention, you know, they are presented with research that says students have this. And if that, if we cut it off at this point in time, which in this was the third grade, then we can actually work to stop that. Um, and then we, then you go on to their consequences of that. And, you know, in that, in that bill, there's the consequences that it hits the, the teacher's license and the educational preparedness, uh, programs, license, et cetera. There's, there's ways out of that. But I think part of that is, is as educators, not in a negative way, but we find out who our legislators are. 
and we have those conversations. Whether we send an, we send them an email. Hey, I hear you're sponsoring this piece of legislation. Let me tell you why I think there's good parts about it and bad parts about it. And I hope that you take this into account when you write it. The day that they're in committee and they're going to the floor, it's already done. Right. Uh, you want to make sure to have those as early on as possible. Our state, you know, just give you an example. Uh, cons- we're considered a part-time legislature. They're in session for f- four to five months out of the year. Is uh, all of our bills have to be filed by Tuesday, or well, but it'll actually be past the point where this podcast is actually out there. So all those bills are there. They can't create any more bills until the following year, and so you can see what those are. Now those are going to start to work their way through the committee structure, and your goal is to either you know call them, talk to their staff, talk to them via phone or email, go to Nashville, see them when they're in town. Uh, because a lot of these people, you you if you've got an individual from your community, you'll see them out and about. They're the same way that that you and I are. So, you know, seeing your teacher outside of the classroom, you know, at the Walmart or uh, you know the uh, the local Mexican restaurant or wherever, you know, is is awkward. But you know, hey, I've got something. I want to pass this on to you. Uh, be, and, and you know, this is from a teacher in your area, and they they. A lot of them will, if they have enough of that, start to listen and make those changes. Well, and I think another thing, and I saw this said um, back after some really ugly things were said about teachers in this state uh, last fall. And I saw a ton of teachers step up and almost challengingly say, come to my classroom for a day. Okay. I'm not saying it challengingly. I welcome any politician to come to my classroom. Come spend a day and learn what I do. Anybody, you are welcome in my office, in my classroom, any day of the week. And I think that that can make a huge difference. I think we need, in the field of education, more people to see what it is we actually do. You know... There was that show, Undercover Boss. I don't even know if it's still in production, but I know it, I know it was. You know, we used to watch it. Right. Where the CEO would go in and, you know, how many of those did we watch where the CEO was like, I had no clue this is actually what was going on, good or bad. Right. Or they went in and they didn't know how to do the things that they were asking their employees to do. Um, and I think that's where we are. People don't know how this works. People don't know how education works. So that is truly, if there are politicians that listen to this, I don't know if there are or not, but truly come to my classroom, come, you know, go to, go through two or three days of classes and practicums with one of my teacher candidate students uh, come sit with me while we work through data and lesson plan and, you know, do all the things. Come to our classrooms. And I don't mean come to our classrooms with your cameras and your PR people and, you know, the, which, you know, setting it out the day ahead, which kids are going to be asked questions. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to come and make a political scene. I'm asking you to come and observe and just watch what our teachers do day in and day out. 
every single day. That is how we fight. I don't need to get in the vomiting contest with contest with the buzzard. Right. Trust me, I can say all the ugly things that I want to say. I can say ugly things in different languages, right? I can throw some ugliness out there. But that's not how we're going to change anything. We're going to change things by people coming and learning what we do as teachers. We're not babysitters. This is not, I couldn't make it at something else, so this is what I did. It is a life calling. And it is perhaps the most important life calling there is. Because without it, nothing else exists. And as we've seen in the healthcare setting, we see in education, it's even more just kind of all all across the spectrum right now. When all of this hits the media, as you can, when it hits the media and it hits the social media, where a lot of people get their information now, um, the negativity, then that next generation goes, well, maybe I really don't want to do this. And now you exacerbate that short-term teacher shortage and make it a, a moderate to a long-term uh, teacher shortage. And then we talk about losses after that, because then we get into now, instead of a classroom being 13 students or 20 students or 25 students. Now we're talking about 40 and 50 and 60 students. Well, four uh, years ago when I took over our job embedded program, we worked only with high needs endorsement areas. That was middle grades and secondary math, middle grades and secondary science, special education, English as a second language, As she does math on her hands. I am doing math on my hands. I'm trying to think. And that was it, actually. Oh, and world languages. So foreign language. That was it. Now, our current job embedded program, I have every endorsement area that our university is approved for. We have integrated early childhood. We have elementary, PE, music, art, theater, psychology, math, science, language arts, History, all of them, every single one. And part of that goes back to the things we've been talking about. One, just the overload of things that have to be done. You know, the the misconception that the majority has that a teacher works from eight to four, when and they have a planning period, so they they don't even teach the whole part of the day, and they, you know, and, and it's not you know they coach, they they do all this different stuff, and uh, then. They've got grading, they've got parent-teacher conferences, they've got all this different stuff. So, And I think what you've heard us saying the last little bit is we don't just have to sit around and take it. We can right. we can be engaged. You know, and you know, when you get into this, as you're mentioning, it's not a threat. You know, if you do this, teachers will organize and make sure you don't get voted for again. It's a, you know, sometimes it's a come and find out. You know, I have been in those environments. I have a misconception about something and I'm talking and they've said, Hey, come and talk. And I go there and I have a conversation or I see what's going on. I said, I have had no clue. And that changes, mm-hmm. it changes the way things are. Um, and so that, that may be, you know, when they're presented with data, they have, you know, they're presented with the education that their students aren't in their state aren't doing. Right. If they don't do anything, then they're deemed they're not 
caring about the students. So they have to do something. Right. So educate why those are there. Now, we've, we've talked on here a lot about the standardized test and those test scores that they do get access to. And, but again, you know, that takes a village. Uh, it's, it's everything that the student's experiencing from the way it is at home, their food level, their ability to get rest in uh, a safe environment. You know, we, we talk about now in higher education more than we ever have food insecurities. Right. Are they worried, you know, are they making decisions about whether they're coming to class and or putting working. and and uh, and working, or they're coming to class and putting their last couple dollars in gas, and they're not going to eat, you know. And so, you know, granted, you know, P twelve not necessarily dealing with that as much, but you know, some of them may experience that through other avenues. And so, this is what we're dealing with. We're right. we're talking to uh, little Johnny about the fact. Well, that I mean, he's, in P twelve, at least in in higher ed, our students are making the choice. To use their last few dollars for gas and not eat, whereas in P twelve, those kids don't have a they don't have a choice. That it is what it is, you know. Um, and we know that, and we know that about students. We know there's a lot going on in the world. We know that they have more anxiety than they've ever had before. There's more to deal with than there's ever been before. I mean, all the things are there. But, you know, if you think back to that that cartoon, the comic strip thing that I was talking about earlier, and I said, I don't really agree with either one of them. Because in the 50s, it wasn't all the child's fault. And in the 2020s, it's not all the teacher's fault. Right. So I really wish there was a third one that had the teacher and the parents and the student and an administrator, maybe a politician or two. That we're all sitting down and instead of anybody saying, what have you done? Why did you do this? Simply saying, together, how can we fix it? Right. Because you're not going to fix it if you don't talk to teachers. And you're not going to fix it if you don't talk to kids. You're not going to fix it if you don't talk to parents. So, I think... (laughs) I think I think one of the biggest things that we we talk about is one first and foremost as a teacher you have to be a master of your craft know and build on what you're doing so make sure that every day you're presenting a good product but two know that you're going to have a bad day it, you know don't take it out on the kids we know that but you know give yourself that grace so when you get home you had a bad day you know if you're super good on your nutrition and all that, it may be a you know, get you a cheesecake kind of day. <laughs> Whatever well, you know, uh, but just give yourself the opportunity to, to de-stress, decompress, watch TV. You know, let it go, not get in the negatives, and then refresh and go back the next day. But then get involved to the point of saying, you know, if it's your local school board, get involved with the school board. Don't go out there to have a fight. It's like, hey, you know, your your background's not here. I appreciate what you're doing. Come come and see me. Right. Let's, let's come into the classroom. Well, if it's your state politician, bring them involved. You know, communicate with them. Right. Get, and there's something that I tell all of my job embeddeds in the first, the very first semester, the very first course that they take. There is a point in which all of them are like, I'm 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 scared. I'm scared that I'm failing my kids. I'm scared that I'm failing my school. And I always look at them and say, what What are you asking yourself when you get home? And they say, if my kids learned. I said, that's the wrong question. That would be great 
if we could all answer that our kids learned everything they needed to learn every day. But the reality is that we are working with kids. Yeah. We're working with people. And not every day is a great day for everybody. And so I tell them all the time, when you get home, you've had your dinner, you've worked, whatever, and you go to bed and you lay your little head on your little pillow, the question you need to ask yourself is not, did my kids master this today? It is simply, did I, to the best of my ability, help my kids today? And you know what? The best of our ability changes day to day, and that's okay. But did we do what we could do to help our kids? That's the bottom line. Yep. All right. So let's get to our feel-good tip of the week. I feel like that got really deep and sad. I don't think it's sad. I think it's real. It is real. And sometimes real is raw. and Real is raw. So. All right. Feel good tip of the week. Um, and mine, in, in accordance with uh, the podcast of the day and knowing that teaching is hard, my feel good tip is to bless another teacher. Um, a lot of us have started back for the second semester or you're getting ready to start back for the second semester. Your school might be one of those that does super fun things like a secret Santa or a feature teacher or uh, something along those lines where someone's gifting someone else and the whole thing's done through a system. But my suggestion to you is to choose another educator in your building to bless this week, then another one for next week and another one for the next week and so on. I'm not saying buy something for them, but make it a practice to write an encouraging note to a different adult in your building every week. You can do it anonymously or you can sign your name. It doesn't really matter. Just write some words to someone that will be a blessing for their week. We don't hear about the good we do in education enough. I'm I'm going to bring up something and you may not even know I did this. So we've talked about this a little bit that, you know, in 2015, I was gone for eight months for military training. Right. And in that class, I, you know, I was in there with 17, 18, 20, 20 or so. Now who's doing math on Di- their hands? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> different individuals. And some of these were individuals that were directly out of college and coming straight in. They were active duty military. Some of them were reserves. Uh, some were guard. Some of them, like myself, I was older. Um, and so I got to the point, you know, you get... You know, when you everybody first gets there, they're happy, they're doing stuff, and then you kind of get in the lull of things, and everybody kind of gets irritable, and we're in there with the same people and every, every single day, and and so every Tuesday, as everybody would go to lunch, I'd place a card on their desk, just this. There was no name to it. Uh, everyone had a personal message, and I would write them out and leave them down, and it actually took till the end of the the class that I was there. And uh, as I left, there was a couple of cards on my car from individuals. And they're like, believe it or not, this made the week. Right. Like they got, they got to, like that made a difference. Um, so that, that is a huge thing. And, but that blessing could be, you know, hey, go by somebody's office. You see them down a little bit and give them a fist bump. Say, hey, you're doing great. So I'll absolutely love that. So 
As we conclude today, we'd like to say that we always look forward to recording these episodes and engaging with each of you. However, without your feedback, we do not know what you're thinking. So please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also find all about the Perfect Chaos uh, podcast at our website, www.perfect-chaos.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Perfect Chaos 7, Instagram at Perfect Chaos 7, and Facebook at A Perfect Chaos 7. I've got to find who that Perfect Chaos, the, the one that has it without the A, and take them. Uh, take their uh, monogram from them. And don't forget... That's not a monogram. Not a monogram. <laughs> their moniker. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, and recently on TikTok at perfect underscore chaos underscore podcast. And personally, you can find us on Twitter at... Mine's at DRR Blevins. And I'm at DS Blev. If you're following us on the Anchor.fm platform, you can hit the message button and send us a voice message like Sylvia has in the past. We hope to have some more here in the future as well. We'd love to include those messages on a future podcast. And lastly, we've opened the listener support tab on Anchor. If you feel led, you can support the podcast with a small donation that will be used to expand our podcast capabilities, which we hope to have coming up here shortly. But until next week, remain calm in your perfect chaos.